Welcome to the Cashflow Chronicles. I'm your host, Johnny Catani, and the founder of Catani Capital Group. For the last two years, I've been studying alternative assets and now help solve the problem of creating passive cash flow for creators, influencers, and busy professionals by bringing you five episodes a week of easy to understand education in the world of passive investing. What's up, guys? Happy Friday. Welcome to another episode of Friday Follow Up here on the Cashflow Chronicles. I'm your host, Johnny Catani. Congrats on making it through another week. For those following along at home, weather update, it is finally sunny here in Salt Lake City. Gorgeous day today. And if, you know, five feet of snow over the last four days wasn't enough to deal with, next week it's supposed to get into the 70s and there are flood warnings all over the valley. So it just never quite ends. (laughs) But all things aside, I'm very, very excited for sunshine and warm weather. Of course, it is still spring, so the following week is forecasted to drop back into the 40s and potentially more snow. So there you have it. But it is what it is. We can't control the weather. We just play through. But for those who are new, I think that I report on the weather almost every time I do a solo episode. So I figured I would continue that trend. So uh, if you have not yet, go back and listen to last week's Friday follow-up because this will be a continuation of last week. So to recap, last week we talked about the first step in determining your risk factor and kind of the steps to, you know, get the mindset of, of making an investment, whether that's real estate, that's a stock market, it's crypto, whatever it is, right? Uh, the first step is determining what your goals are. I related to real estate uh, because that's primarily what I focus on, although there are some other things coming up, hint, hint. But in terms of real estate, you have two really main options. You've got, you know, and, and this is this is all for passive investing, right? So being a passive investor, meaning your active income is something else. And you are taking that income and investing it passively. And there are two options. You can, one, invest for appreciation, meaning, you know, kind of long-term growth, you know, not really seeing any return until the end of the deal. You know, that would typically be like your development type deal where, you know, they're going to build it from the ground up, not going to be anything to pay any cash flow because there are no housing units or apartments or whatever it is to provide any cash flow. So you're going to build it. And then typically, you know, let's say it's an apartment building, they'll build it, they'll stabilize it, meaning they'll get tenants in there that may produce some kind of cash flow, but typically once it's stabilized, they'll then sell it. And that's when you'll see your return, typically a larger return because development is riskier. So it's not uncommon to see a two and a half even 3x return in 3 4 years. So you put 100k in, you get, you know, 250k out. That'd be 2 and a half x return. So the next step after you determine whether or not oh, and then the other side of that is cash flow where you're investing in a an apartment building that's already been built, already has tenants in place and, you know, maybe 
you know, it's been mismanaged and they're going to come in and, and bring in new management, you know, increase rents, whatever it may be that's going to provide cash flow from the monthly payments. Cash flow is typically either paid monthly or quarterly. Quarterly is the most common. However, starting to see more and more monthly distributions, uh, some investors have an appetite for that. You know, those are going to be smaller, whereas a quarterly is obviously going to be bigger, right? Because it's been accumulating, like they've been, you know, taking it every month when they get the income, you know, they set some aside and then they'll just pay the lump sum each quarter. So you're looking at four quarterly payments every year, equaling your, you know, 8% return, right? So if you invest 100,000, each quarterly payment's going to equal 8,000 uh, for the year. So once you've determined which type of investing you want to do, the next step is determining how much risk you want to take, right? So it's all risky. Like, let's just get that out there to start. Investing in any form is risky, right? Whether you're with a financial advisor, whether you're managing your own stock portfolio, whether you're, you know, a seasoned financial advisor, even finance, like, you know, I've been investing in real estate for three years now. And even it's a risk every time I do it, even with my knowledge and my, you know, fine tooth comb that I go through each deal with, right? It's always going to be a risk. None of this is guaranteed. There are no guarantees. So it's always going to be some sort of risk. But determining what your risk factor is, is going to determine really what your return is, right? Your less risky investments are always going to have a lower return. Why is that? Because the closer you get to a quote unquote guarantee or the less risk is involved in the investment, that means that there's not as much work involved. There's not as much value to add, which means typically not as much capital is needed, which means your return is lower. For instance, if you go and buy a, let's say, you know, so we have the development deal, right? On the appreciation side, typically what the developer do, like I said, will stabilize it. Once it's stabilized, meaning 90% occupied, typically what's going to happen is a group's going to come in and buy that. Well, that's a brand new building. So there's no deferred maintenance, meaning there's nothing that needs to be repaired because it's literally brand new. It's already 90% occupied. So there's, you know, of course, there's 10% more occupancy to go. So if it's 100 units, that's 10 more units to fill up. That is material. That That is, you know, a significant portion. If those are, you know, $1,000 each unit, that's $10,000 more in, you know, uh, gross revenue per month, right? Which is $120,000 in gross revenue per year. So it's not nothing. But when you are buying a brand new class A core plus asset, class A meaning, you know, brand new in a nice area, all of those things, that is going to be less risky, meaning it's going to have a lower cap rate going in. Cap rate is a capitalization rate, which is essentially just the value of the property divided by its net operating income. For those who are new, your net operating income is all of your revenue. So every like your rents, 
any fees, laundromat, parking, pet fees, um, storage. Maybe there's storage inside. A lot of class A buildings will have storage inside. Anything that, that brings in revenue. So all of that equals your gross revenue. Then you take all of your expenses, right? So you've got your property management. You've got maintenance. You've got landscaping. Maybe you have snow removal, depending on where you are in the wintertime. You've got, you know, um, your utilities, right? All of the expenses that that go along with the, with uh, with the property. In this case, we're just we're going to use a multifamily apartment building just to make it easy. We've all probably lived in one, seen them, so it's it's easy one to to use. So you've got your gross income, then you take all of your expenses and you subtract your expenses. That's your net operating income. So it's basically your gross income minus your expenses before you've paid any debt. So the net operating income does not include any debt payment. The reason for that is because debt is different for almost every deal. So the way that you calculate your cap rate is going to be based, is going to be you know, without debt, because debt is going to be very different depending on the deal, depending on a lot of things. So the the calculation keeps debt out of it. For those who are in the business world, it would be the same thing as your EBITDA, which is basically expenses and everything. So you take your net operating income, you divide that by the value, that gives you your cap rate. And that's going to basically that's essentially going to give you the value of the property, what the property is able to, to generate. And the goal when you go in is, is increasing your NOI, increasing your net operating income. Your net operating income is basically going to determine how well the property is operating, right? And you know, a value add opportunity means that you're going to be able to come in and increase that NOI. However, on the flip side of that, yes. Yeah, so cap rate, net operating income over current market value, that gives you your cap rate. Now, a class A brand new build is going to have the highest market value possible for the market, right? And so because that value is high and because the NOI is pretty much as high as you can get it, there's not a lot of room for growth. Now, naturally over time, because you know, rents do increase. And certainly when the market's hot, rents can increase. You know, we saw, you know, last year, I think, you know, you had places like Austin increasing like, you know, 12 or like 20 something percent. It was absolutely insane. You know, but typically you're gonna see you know, 5%, right? On average, if you're being conservative and you're underwriting, you're not going higher than 25%, or excuse me, you're not going higher than 5% for your annual rental increases. So when you buy a class A building, your rents are typically going to be at or close to market. Sometimes the developer will have a concession, meaning like they'll, they just want to get it filled and get it to that 90%. So they'll you know, kind of lower, let's say the the market rents are, you know, $1,200. They might be like, hey, $1,000, right? So 
you know, there may be some room there to raise rents eventually as leases come due, you know, maybe fill up the remainder of the units. But for the most part, you're pretty much topped out and it's a brand new building. So you're, you know, you're not going to be adding a laundromat. It's already there. So your revenue is all calculated. So you're going to have a lower return there, but you have a lot less risk because you don't have to worry about the roof leaking or, you know, the brand new asphalt uh, parking lot cracking or, you know, something breaking essentially, right? Or the plumbing or the electrical or the heating and air conditioning, right? HVAC. So because you don't have to worry about those things and, you know, you paid a premium to get into it, your return is going to be lower. But a lot of investors like this because it's a safe, what's considered a safe or core plus investment, right? So less risk, lower return, right? Not a lot of room to increase anything. So you're not going to be able to get in and all of a sudden, you know, create all this value. And therefore there's not a lot to give on the return side. So typically you'll see you know, five, 6% monthly cash flow or annual cash flow, right? So you give a hundred thousand, five, $6,000 in return, but you know, you'll have your market appreciation. So maybe at the end there'll be, you know, 1.8, maybe two X multiple, not horrible at all. Right. But not anything significant where you're, you know, going to be able to quit your day job, so to speak. And, and live off of the cash flow, right? So all that to say that that's how you would evaluate that. On the other side is a huge value add opportunity. I'm talking like, you know, this thing is super dilapidated, mismanaged. It's in a good area, but has just been mismanaged. They've let so many things go. It needs a new roof. You're going to have to come in and redo all of the the units, what they call classic units, right? So you're gonna have to renovate all of the units. You're talking new flooring, new paint, new countertops, new appliances, right? New lighting, all the things, right? Maybe even new electrical. Maybe it's they're all operating on like, you know, window units or um, what's that thing that goes on the roof? Uh, gosh, we used to have them in our old college houses. Um, Gosh, it's slipping my mind. I know you guys know what I'm talking about. The 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 cooling system, but it's not central air, right? Uh, so maybe you're going to add central air. Uh, probably no washer and dryer. So maybe you're going to add washer and dryer hookups and, and washer and dryer in the unit. So really serious value add. You're talking taking the rents from like eight, nine hundred a month to like, you know, when this thing's done, they're going to be 12, 13, 14, 1500 a month, like serious value add. And these deals are out there, but there's a lot of risk involved in that, right? Well, what's involved in that? Well, I mean, you know, first of all, making sure the market can handle it. That's step one. And if the market can't handle it, that's on the people buying it. That's their bad. And that's something to look at. And we can kind of get to that when it comes to vetting deals. But, you know, so you've got market risk, right? If all of a sudden, you know, that area doesn't, need that many, right? What if, 
what if there's already a huge influx of class A apartments and the area doesn't need it? So you've got that risk. You've got your time risk. What if it takes even longer to get these renovated than you anticipate? You've got, you know, uh, economic risk. Look at the price of materials shot up because of like COVID and inflation and all of these things, right? So all of a sudden you've got this economic risk where materials could cost more, which, you know, would, would cost more than you were expecting. So because there's so much more risk involved, that's going to give you a higher return. Now, typically how a deal like this is going to work is you probably won't see any cash flow in year one, right? The stable is, they're going to come in, they're going to kick out the bad tenants who aren't paying. They're going to bring in their new management. It's going to be, it. my point is, it's going to be worse before it gets better when it comes to a project like this. But once it's done and they get it restabilized and get good tenants in there, I mean, you just added, let's say conservatively, you had 300 dollars per unit on a hundred units that's what thirty thousand dollars a month in yeah thirty thousand dollars a month in in gross revenue times 12 months that's three hundred and sixty thousand dollars a year in gross revenue that you've added just just from renovating the apartments by the way this doesn't include maybe adding covered parking maybe you add a laundromat with coin operated laundry maybe you allow pets now so you've got a pet fee you know all the other revenue opportunities that there are so but there's more risk involved so if you're you know a cash flow investor this is the type of deals that you're looking for cuz there's going to be significant cash flow and oh by the way all this value just got added so now all of a sudden this thing's worth way more than what you paid for it right your your strike price your entry price or your cost basis whatever you want to call it is way down here and then you've added all this value and now all of a sudden it's way up here so then what'll happen is typically they'll refinance around year 3 once they have it fully restabilized and they'll refinance it on its new value. And boom, here's all this money that now all of a sudden, you know, at year three, they're going to give you your principal back. Okay. So you invest $100,000 at year three, they're going to give you that $100,000 back, keep you in the deal. And now they're going to just sit on that cash flow for the next 10 years because they probably refinance to a fixed rate, you know, long term deal, which is a 10 year deal, 10 year fixed rate term. And now you're going to stay in that deal. And now you're going to make 8% a year. So you've gotten your original 100,000 back. You're done. You're out, right? Your principal's out. Your risk is, boom, hands are washed. Now you're making $8,000 a year for the next 10 years from that one deal. That is the incredible opportunity that passive investing gives you. But you have to be willing to take that risk. That's why it's important to understand your risk tolerance because both deals are great deals, right? The development or the, or excuse me, not the development, the class A, brand new, just bought it, no maintenance, no nothing. Great deal, right? It's super great deal, low risk. We love to see it. But you, on the other side is also a great deal, right? Value add, you know, a lot of opportunity for growth there, cash flow. Both are great deals. You just need to determine which one is right for you. Now, here's the good news. If you start at the class A, 
and this is very, very common. And I, I typically would recommend this depending on your risk tolerance. Start at the class A. Start there with a good group who's done this a hundred times. They know exactly what they're doing. Hundreds is an exaggeration, but they've done this before five, six, eight, ten 10 times. They've done it before. You know, they can do it. It's in their home market where they always do deals just like this. This is their cookie cutter deal. Start there. And I, and I, I'm not going to make a promise, but typically what will happen as you get more and more comfortable investing, right? Okay, I, I, I gave out the money and I, I get it. These are big check numbers, right? You're talking $50,000 minimums is not uncommon, right? It can be very difficult to let go of that. So understand it takes time. But once you do and you see how it works and you get that proof of concept, eventually as your appetite grows and you do a couple of these deals, these good ones, then what's going to happen is you're going to get your principal back. You're like, all right, cool. I want the three X development deal now. Like, cool. I've, you know, I I've gotten a feel for it. Now I want to take some risk and I want to go into a development deal. Boom. You know, that deal goes full cycle. There's, you know, let's say they two and a half extra money. There's two fifty. Now you take some of that and you put it into the cash flow value add deal. Now you're dispersing your money. Now you got a little bit of everything. Now you've got your, your kind of safer class a brand new build. You've got a development deal and you've got a cash flowing asset. And typically what you'll see is as people get older, their risk tolerance will, will drop because you know, they don't have as much money to lose. So they'll start to kind of switch to these cash flow opportunities where they're like, cool, I'm nearing retirement and I want to be able to live off the money. So they'll start putting, you know, heavy amounts into these cash flow opportunities with these groups who know what they're doing. And all of a sudden you're making $50,000 a year in passive income. No problem. Right. You know, 50, hundred thousand dollars a year, no problem in, in passive cash flow. And I get so excited. I'm sure you guys can hear my excitement because it is a real possibility. It's a very real opportunity. And it's really, really important to, to determine what your tolerance is because you don't, like for me, I have a very high risk tolerance. Like I've done deals that, like I did a deal last year Nobody lost money but me because <laughs> it was supposed to be a development deal. I was going to be like on the partnership team, blah, blah, blah. I've talked about it before, but essentially like I just was like gung-ho, like let's do it. So for me, like my risk tolerance is high. So I'm willing to put money into these like opportunities where, you know, there, there could be a big payday, but on the flip side of that is look what happened. I got too ahead of myself. It wasn't a, a good fit in terms of the partnership and I lost some money. So that's definitely not for everyone. And I understand that. So I may not be the best example for new investors, but certainly you eventually, you have to get used to this idea that you've got to spend money to make money. The only way to make your money work for you is to invest it. And you know, if if real estate and these big checks aren't aren't a good start for you, start with some super safe investments in the stock market. I'm not going to go into those, but you know, it's not hard to find safe opportunities in the stock market that have you know 
low risk, low return, but get comfortable with putting out $1,000, $10,000, $20,000. The next thing you know, you're investing $50,000 and you're like, okay, this is no problem. When's the next deal, right? So that's kind of step two in, in that process. And I hope this all made sense and, and shed some light on kind of how to start building your risk tolerance. Start writing things down, right? Look at things, look at different deals, different opportunities. You can always look at my list. You can always reach out to me. Give me a follow for that. I appreciate you guys as always listening. Follow me on social media at Johnny Katani, Johnny with no H, and I will see you guys next week. See ya. Thank you again for tuning in. Who do you know that wants more cash flow? Share this episode with them so you can grow your cash flow together. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you're subscribed on your platform of choice so you never miss a new episode. Go to katanicapitalgroup.com to learn more.